Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast, the podcast of the Weekly Standard. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, and feel free to leave a glowing comment. It is March 28th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes, and joining me today is my fellow cheesehead, John McCormick, who's written this week's cover story about Ohio Governor John Kasich. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing well, Charlie. Well, let's talk about uh, your profile of John Kasich. I, you know, look, I, let me cut right to the chase. He's kind of a weird guy, isn't he? He is. Uh, yeah. And, and I think he has got a reputation for being uh, more of a prickly guy, but he's also got this uh, this kind of quirky, goofy uh, elements to his personality as well. So I tried to capture that a bit in this profile. Yeah. And you, you, the headline is a party of one because he's up to something. I mean, clearly, as you read the story and you spent uh, you spent some time with him going from green room to green room in, in New York City. This is a guy who clearly has some very, very clear ideas about the future of the Republican Party, presidential politics in, in general uh, and uh, and his own ambitions. Is 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 he running do you think that he's seriously running or, or well, where, where's he at? On uh, I mean, he's openly saying he's serious. He's considering it. He's all options are on the table, whether that's to, you know, not not run at all, to run in a Republican primary with or without Trump or to run as an independent. Um, I think he's more likely than not uh, to end up running and to run as an independent. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he's term limited. He can't run for reelection in 2018. Uh, his teenage daughters are going off to college next Next year. Uh, so what better to do than run for president? I think he really he really likes being out there um, on the on the trail, so to speak. I mean, it, I was with him not on a typical uh, campaign trip, but he did a town hall event at uh, in New York City at a high school at Stuyvesant uh, High School. And, uh, you know, he did six different uh, TV hits in, in the course of about 24 hours. And he just seems to sort of thrive uh, in that environment, as a lot of politicians do. And it seems like he's certainly interested and open. And, and I think right now he's probably more likely than not to do it. And so uh, you know, this piece tried to take a, a look, a fair look uh, at exactly how seriously uh, this should be taken. Well, and he's very, very upfront, as you point out, about his estrangement from uh, from Trump's party. He says, I just you quote him saying, I just don't support the current agenda, the anti-immigrant, anti-trade, not worried about that. I don't like any of that. Is that temporary? I don't know. So what's interesting about this is, and you also point this out, back in 1997, he was on the cover of the Weekly Standard um, with the headline, It's His Party. And uh, Andy Ferguson wrote about him and said uh, Kasich is running for president. And it wasn't a ridiculous idea. So give me some sense of, of what's happened intellectually to, to John Kasich. How, how has he... You know, I hate to use words like grown or evolved or 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 transitioned, but but give me some sense of how we got from John Kasich, who was kind of a rock ribbed conservative when he was in the you know in in Congress, considered quite mainstream, to where he is right now, sort of a orphan politically. Yeah, I mean, uh, a few different things. I'm not quite so sure how much he's changed as uh, the party has changed. I mean, back in 97, the party was focused on deficits and cutting these compromises with Bill Clinton, where Bill Clinton wanted to triangulate on conservative things. And so we got welfare reform through Kasich, uh, signed, a, you know, was led the budget deal that balanced the budget for the first time in however many years. And, and a lot of conservatives, a lot of right-wing conservatives, people like the Weekly Standard, were upset uh, with the bipartisan compromises he was in favor of. Just a couple weeks ago, um, well, after the 
Parkland massacre when Kasich came out in favor of banning guns like the AR-15. I thought that was a, a real move to the left and a sign that he had changed. But I actually went back mm-hmm. and looked, and it turns out that Kasich was one of something like 38, 36 uh, Republicans in the House who voted for the assault weapons ban back in 1994. Uh, that bill passed 216 to 214, so very narrowly. You know, he he passed essentially one of the deciding votes uh, to pass this thing. Uh, that was a minority position back then, but it's essentially non-existent right now. Uh, it, back in 94, there were like, you know, 10, 12 uh, Republican senators who backed the assault weapons ban. And the last time that came up in 2013, there were precisely, or there was precisely one uh, who voted for it, and he is now gone. That was Mark Kirk of Illinois. So the party has become more, both parties have po- become more polarized, more universally, you know, conservative and liberal. And so the things that uh, Kasich stood out on back then make him a real outlier right now. And furthermore, I mean, Kasich also, you know, there seems to some would accuse him of doing something of an about face on fiscal restraint uh, because of his decision to expand Medicaid in Ohio, one of the probably the policy issue for which he's best known. Right. Um, But that's actually, as I point out in the piece, he that's him moving basically with the Republican Party. Mike Pence did that in Indiana. No one says Mike Pence is a rhino sellout liberal for expanding Medicaid. Same thing with, you know, governors in Michigan, Iowa, uh, Pennsylvania and in Wisconsin. And Scott Walker didn't do that. He did something a little different where he pushed, uh, you know, the Medicaid population. Uh, he, he basically opened it up right where everybody under 100 percent of poverty could get into Medicaid and the people above that went into Obamacare. So slightly different. But again, uh, people are sort of generally uh, agree in the Republican Party, at least in the Midwest, uh, that something needs to be done uh, for people at the low end of now, the income scale. This, this is a very interesting point. Um, why then, you know, if, if, if Mike Pence did the same thing, why has John Kasich been the the lightning rod on this issue? Why has this been defining for him when everybody else has gotten, to use this overused term these days, mulligan on this? Is it because of his rhetoric? Is it because that uh, he, he, he occasionally strikes that note of, of self-righteousness, that uh, you're not on God's side if you don't support the, the expansion of Medicaid? Yeah, I think that's that's what it is. I think it's a matter of tone and emphasis. Two in your face. Yeah. yeah, a matter of tone and emphasis. And it was interesting, actually, by going back and reading that Andy Ferguson profile from 1997. Uh, back then, he was making the case for welfare reform in in the exact same sort of moral terms, but things were flipped on its head. He said, you know, uh, to make, you know, hardworking, working class folks go to work every day and, you know, sweep up the floors and work in these parking lots and, you know, pour your coffee and to take money from them and to give it to people who who don't want to work, you know, that's a sin. It is a sin. And today he's saying it's basically a sin not to expand Medicaid. Uh, in Kasich's defense, he, I asked him about this, and he, he basically says it's not much of a contradiction because he's, he's, for, he's okay with Medicaid uh, work requirements. He just thinks that you need to provide some protection. I, I mean, I don't think that's, a, I don't have a strong, particularly strong opinion on Medicaid reform. I think they need, it does need bigger structural conservative reforms and whether we, you know, cut off uh, eligibility at 100% of poverty or 130% of poverty, I don't think that's exactly some, you know, huge ideological uh, divide any more than whether the top marginal tax rate should be, you know, 28 or 32. I think that these are, you know, th- there's there's reasonable uh, debate, but I do think it really is, it, it comes down to his rhetoric and his, his tone and his emphasis is implying at least that people were were, were immoral who, who opposed Medicaid expansion. He sort of walked that back when I asked him about that. He said, if I had known it, it had been um, so offensive to people, I wouldn't have used it. But he's still a deficit hawk. Still a budget hawk, you think? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, he says he is, I, I, and he says he's for Medicare reform, Medicaid reform. He doesn't didn't really get into too much specifics. He he said he didn't know what Paul Ryan's plan was, and now again, the entire Republican Party has sort of walked away from Paul Ryan's plan. Donald Trump 
uh, campaigned on not changing entitlements. You don't have a majority in either house for that. Um, but so it, it, it's unclear to me whether he would sort of be some sort of Simpson Bowles, really strike a big deal, or if he is uh, just moved much more in the direction of, you know, the Donald Trump, let's just spend spend money and, and deficits uh, can take care of themselves. Yeah, you know, people need to go and read the, your full profile, but there's a couple of things that uh, that I, I thought were really fascinating, including your discussion with him about abortion and Roe versus Wade, because he makes it clear that he's pro-life. Um, and, you know, when he was governor, he signed bills defunding Planned Parenthood, banning late-term abortion, abortion targeting children with Down syndrome. But you say he doesn't really want to talk about that. So give me give me some sense. He's he's clearly pro-life, but it's something that he'd rather not really spend much time addressing. Yeah. You know, that's fairly typical, again, of most politicians, most Republican politicians, certainly. Uh, but, you know, Kasich, sort of, he, he, Kasich has this, uh, you know, this values rhetoric uh, where he just want, he talks a lot. He talks about God. He talks about morals, but he doesn't want to talk about, quote unquote, uh, hot button wedge issues. And I actually asked him, you know, well. I mean, is it is are these issues really more divisive than say you know unions in Wisconsin? They took over the Capitol, and he kind of, he thought they're different. But I I mean I personally think that guns, uh, you know, obviously if you've seen these these uh, these nasty nasty debates over the last six weeks, uh, you know there are lots of issues that people get really heated about that he's happy to talk about, but he doesn't want to talk about it so much. And the reason I pressed him on it was because, you know, if, if he is going to run as an independent, that creates all all sorts of questions about whether or not there really is any room for a centrist coalition to hold. I mean, he's he's saying he's still pro-life. He still believes in, you know, the exception should be rape, incest, the life of the mother. Uh, I pressed him on Supreme Court justices. He wouldn't really get into exactly, you know, does he want a Scalia or a Thomas? I asked him about Gorsuch. He said, I think he's fine, but I, you know, I don't really know much about him. And so there are all these sorts of difficult questions that if he does want to run as an independent, he'll have to find a way to, to be in the middle. And I, I do actually think, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We, a lot of people sort of assume in, in the media that the center is a Michael Bloomberg-ism uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, you're a liberal on social issues and you support, you know, abortion on demand. But uh, Kasich actually, I mean, the, the issues that he, he focused on, things like, you know, late-term abortion ban, that has a, a, a big majority of support. So, you know, might not appeal to the, the center of the Democratic Party these days, but uh, is certainly a reasonable view uh, to a lot of Americans. Okay. So you talked to, uh, with him about um, you know his comment that he envisions the end of the two-party system, which obviously seems to be suggesting that he's thinking of, of a third-party run. So you, you explore that a little bit. Just, I mean, how plausible is a, given the way the Electoral College is set up, given, given the polarization, the tribalization of our politics, and how entrenched the two-party system is, how realistic is it that a guy like John Kasich, who is not a Michael Bloomberg billionaire who can sell fun, could enter the race and be a plausible candidate for third party candidate for president in 2020. So what what has to happen for that to be even remotely plausible? Yeah, well, I mean, I turned to, you know, I turned to uh, Sean Trendy of Real Clear Politics and Henry Olson of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, two very smart uh, political analysts because I didn't want to get too far in a limb one way or the other. Uh, and they say, you know, under under plausible circumstances, uh, it, it could be a serious uh, thing. Not say it will be, but it could be. Uh, and that would be, one, if Trump's approval ratings stay low, and two, if the Democratic Party nominates somebody like Bernie Sanders. As uh, Olson says, you know, it would all come down it's to what possible. the- Yeah, which is, I mean, why? And the guy got, what, 43% of the popular vote in a two-way race last time. Why couldn't he get, you know, 
38% in a in a 10-way race and just like Donald Trump split the field and and people who voted for Bernie once are going to vote for him again. Uh, you know, I think probably most likely in that scenario most Democrats end up sticking with Bernie. I don't know if the center of the Democratic Party wants to go for somebody like John Kasich and you know take a risk that he won't put on a good liberal activist Supreme Court justice. Uh, so that's what it, I mean as as also as it really comes down I mean if there's going to be a successful third party candidacy it requires this, you know, the Democratic establishment going to somebody like Kasich uh, instead of a Bernie Sanders, and I'm not sure that's what they would do. I would think I would think the Democrats would probably end up being like the Republican Party in the way that they all ended up circling the wagons around their candidate at the end of the day. Oh, we'll, we'll keep the party together. We don't want to split the party. We're better off that way. So again, I, th- I think it's still unlikely, uh, but it's not to say it's something that you should just completely dismiss. And, and even if it is a typical, you know, third party candidacy where the candidate gets, you know, a, a few percent or, you know, even much better, like Ross Perot, who got something like, what, 20 percent, uh, you know, that can have a, have a big influence and, and, and determine the outcome. Uh, I actually, you know, well, yeah, sorry, yeah. keep going. I, uh, I I probably shouldn't have started off this conversation by by asking whether or not he's kind of a a, a weird guy, but I, in in the back of my mind, I still remember uh, John Kasich during the during the primary. He was one of the one of the last men standing, and a lot of people thought that uh, his candidacy may, may have um, uh, really enabled Donald Trump's, but but also just the. There's something about John Kasich, uh, and and you do capture it in this profile. And you know, I, I suppose the the positive view is that he's a very eclectic thinker, uh, has a wide range of tastes. The other might be that he's a little bit eccentric. His uh, very very lengthy was it uh, the State of the State speech he gave his uh, his farewell address, where you pointed out that he then devoted a few words or sentences to you write take a deep breath. Plato, Aristotle, Rousseau, Nietzsche, Camus, Kierkegaard, Locke, Augustine, Aquinas, Luther, Wilberforce, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Nathan Sharansky, Ronald Reagan, whistleblowers at Wells Fargo and the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and heroes from recent American tragedies in Houston, Puerto Rico, Las Vegas, and Parkland. Um, so he's a uh, he's certainly an interesting thinker. The question is whether or not uh, he's a disciplined thinker. Yeah, it's you know I, I, as I said in the piece, it was a little, you know kind of just touched on things, and it, he actually opens up the discussion of all that by saying, "Hey, remember what it was like for a lot of us back in the dorm," which is kind of a weird thing for a populist guy to say because you know a majority of people actually weren't back in the dorm, a majority of people didn't go to college, uh, but you know it's 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 interesting. I mean, there's it, this isn't exactly a, a college level lecture; he's just sort of touching on these general ideas, and and it's that's all the basis where he leads into talking about what he believes, you know, values, and he believes, and 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 he does get into. This Sort of saying, I believe we're all unique, and God has endowed us with, you know, uh, you know, we all have equal dignity and respect, and talks about these things like, but it's not, you know, it's not the religious right. He's talking about things like, you know, love and humility and compassion, and a lot of conservatives don't. I mean, it's it's even a step beyond George W. Bush's compassionate conservatism. Um, But you know, you you raise a really great point. I didn't get into in the piece was the the resentment a lot of people who oppose Trump feel towards Kasich uh, for not getting out of the race and and getting behind, you know, an alternative, and I think that. There's a lot. There's a lot to that. I I didn't get into it because that wasn't really the focus of the piece. But I, I do. I, I personally think that you know Jeb Bush should have gotten out uh, very early on, maybe before Iowa. And in hindsight, uh, Rubio should have gotten out uh, you know earlier on and have thrown his support to Cruz and Kasich. In my mind, you could actually have made a case uh, that he it made sense for him if you wanted to stop Trump to stay in through those East Coast primaries where somebody like mm-hmm. a rock rib conservative like Cruz couldn't do well and split the vote. But I mean, after that, I I didn't see any reason why he 
didn't throw his support to Cruz before Indiana, uh, you know, in the end, of the, in the end, I don't think it would have made the difference because uh, Trump's margin over Cruz was greater uh, than all the votes that Kasich got. But still, if you really thought that Trump was this unique, you know, potentially extinction level event for the Republican Party, the conservative movement, uh, I think that they should. I mean, this was a problem for all these candidates and in, in, to varying degrees uh, that they really should have, you know, put them put the good of the party, the good of the conservative movement ahead of their own interests and vanity and, and, and slim hopes that they themselves, the, that they'd have a chance to get into a final, you know, all, the, the whole idea back then was, oh, if, if I can just get in the, be the one, the last man standing, well, right. surely everyone's going to come over to me at that point. And, you know, that, that didn't happen. It ended up the, yeah, the traditional idea of momentum uh, took hold and, oh, it's mathematically impossible for Cruz to win. So anyway, th- I thought that was an interesting discussion, an extended version, something that we give our podcast listeners, but I did, I did not get into in the piece, Pr- probably deserving its own uh, retrospective some other time. Well, well, one of the things you did get to do in this, in, in the, in, in this, and I've, I've, you know, thought about whether or not uh, 2020 is going to be one of these pendulum elections, you know, that often we have presidential elections that representing, you know, complete change in direction. Ronald Reagan after Jimmy Carter, or Jimmy Carter after after the Nixon, the Nixon era. Um, Barack Obama obviously being the pendulum swing from the George Bush era. So, what would a 2020 pendulum swing be? Would it be, you know, uh, make America good again, make America decent again? And and Kasich, it, it seems to be thinking along those lines. You write the values Kasich wanted to talk about were not the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but the importance of love, humility, forgiveness, responsibility, and justice. And, you know, talking about the number of people who are uninsured, focusing on drug addiction, mental health, criminal justice, prison reform, human trafficking, creating jobs, live a life a little bigger than ourselves. I'm just calling for an awakening. By the way, you don't hear that much from politicians. I don't want you to go thinking I'm trying to lead some crusade here or something like that. When I'm talking about an awakening, I'm talking about a sort of movement of manners and respect. It, it, it struck me that, that he's serious about that, though you don't know exactly where that goes in American politics these days. You don't. I mean, it, it's it's unique in that, I mean, the rhetoric he employs is, it's a, it's a bit Oprah-esque, you know, and, and conservatives might snicker and scoff at that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a traditional conservative uh, religious person in my in my in my personal life, uh, but you know you you have to you have to take into account the fact that you know the majority of the country actually isn't you know Orthodox Catholic or Evangelical Christian, and that this whole you know spiritual but not religious, uh, you know you should be nice to your neighbor and treat people with decency and respect, and that's kind of the you know the extent that people want to talk about religion or its impact in the public square, you know, that, I don't know. I mean, it is, it, that kind of is the, you know, the, the modern American religion in a way. So I, listen, this is not something that uh, appeals to me necessarily, or to the extent I think it's, it's a little, it, it doesn't go quite deep enough, but you don't necessarily expect that from uh, a public figure. What I was kind of hinting yeah. at there is that he's, he's, you know, the, the you know, the, the founders were, were deists of a different sort, you know, that they, they, they were deists who were talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was the extent of, you know, the, the way they invoked religion um, in their in their public thought and their political thought, and for Kasich, it's much more of a you know positive rights, uh, what we owe to others, and treat others well, and get the government involved to help protect people and and give them you know a leg up and a handout. Um, so. I, I just wonder whether or not though that he might touch a nerve there, whether you know at the end of four years of Trumpism, whether or not there might be a constituency just that fundamental decency. I mean, Jimmy Carter, I think, is arguably one of the worst presidents we ever had. But in nineteen seventy six when he said, you know, let's have a pre you know, the president the country should have a president who is as good as the American people. I will never lie to you. 
And, you know, after after the Nixon era, that was that was obviously very, very attractive. Uh, John, I, I want to talk about, you know, speaking of of the values, uh, not, not not to dwell too much on the whole Stormy Daniels issue, but I want to talk about hypocrisy and, and what we're seeing played out here. But before we do that, uh, the Daily Standard today is brought to you by and this is a, a, one of our new advertisers, Mac Weldon. Uh, their mission is simple to make sure all of your basics and beyond are smartly designed and shopping for them is easy and convenient, and it really is. They started from scratch, they engineered their very own fabric, making sure the design process was meticulous so you can count on the fit being the same each time. They are obsessed over these details, and they believe in smart design, premium fabric, fabrics, simple shopping, and I think you'll agree. Um, the Mack Weldon, uh, if you go online, and you buy some of these, they will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. And I, I can attest to that. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. Quite simply, Mack Weldon's better than whatever you are wearing right now. So here's a special offer for listeners of the Daily Standard Podcast. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code STANDARD at checkout. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code STANDARD, and you will get 20% off. All right, uh, John McCormick. You and I were talking before we started the podcast um, about the bonfire of hypocrisy that we uh, continue to see in American politics. And this is not new, but I, I, I guess maybe it's a good thing that we've we've retained our ability to be sort of a little bit surprised by how far people on both sides of the line are, um, how willing they are to change their positions on a dime when it comes to their guy. And obviously, you know, watching the evangelical uh, Christian leaders uh, continue to, to tie themselves into pretzels to saying, yeah, yeah, having sex with a porn star, give him a mulligan, payoffs, threats. He's still our guy. Yeah, you know, and, and the hypocrisy runs both ways, obviously, right. where, you know, you had Democrats in the 90s saying, oh, well, this is just sex. You can't impeach the president over sex. And, you know, I don't think that you could impeach a president just over, you know, uh, something like adultery. It was the issue of perjuring himself. But a lot of conservatives back then were saying, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't he, that alone he should resign for, you know, that be, being disgraceful like that, um, you know, committing adultery in the Oval Office. Uh, so there's a lot of hypocrisy to go around here. Yeah, you know, and and again, I'm, I am old enough to remember when the you know, character matters and family values was at the center of Republican politics. Uh, but you know, I maybe we're not just in a post factual era; we're just in a post uh, consistent principle era of American politics. I you know, I try I try to make the point to uh, to Democrats occasionally that you understand you would not have Donald Trump if it were not for Bill Clinton, and 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 they're just not having it. You know what I think is going to be a very interesting moment. Um, culturally coming up very shortly is this new movie uh, Chappaquiddick. Have you seen any of the promos or read anything about this? I've seen the trailers, yeah. It looks it looks like it's a brutal portrayal of uh, Teddy Kennedy and the Kennedy clan in general. And I, at some point you have to sit back and you go, okay, if you're a liberal Democrat, if you're, you know, if you're a, a Kennedy fan, why were you willing to overlook that? Why were you willing to uh, rationalize that kind of behavior? And, you know, as, as bad as and I'm certainly not offering any defense of Donald Trump at all whatsoever, but there there's no dead girl at the bottom of, um, you know, of, of the canal there. So 
Um, I have a feeling that that is really going to uh, uh, ratchet up the hypocrisy wars. Yeah, and I, I you know, I think that that's uh, that definitely needs to be called out. The historical record needs to be corrected. The, the idea that he's been lionized for so long and, and never really been held to account for uh, what is a truly appalling. Uh, episode. I think it's a good thing. And, you know, this kind of brings up the whole question. There's been a lot of debate uh, over the last year or so, this whole idea of whataboutism. You know, anytime something yep. that Donald Trump does bad, uh, conservatives or his defenders say, well, what about Clinton? What about Clinton? And the problem to me, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with placing things in historical context. Listen, if, we're gonna, if someone's going to say what Donald Trump has just done is completely outside of American history or norms, you can say, no, well, this is similar to what Bill Clinton did, or it's different in this way. I, putting things in context, comparing them calling out hypocrisy is not wrong. What the problem is when you use, uh, you know, either previous uh, re- misdeeds uh, to excuse him to deflect to say, well, we can't even discuss this now until we acknowledge what what Bill Clinton did or what Ted Kennedy did. Or two, it's you know, there's sometimes there are false equivalences. You know, I mean, I can't forget exactly. I, you know, I, I don't have a good example off the top of my head, but that a lot of times, you know, that's another problem too, where people won't exactly draw a, a great uh, equivalence to what's going on now into the past. Yeah, I just think it's become so burned into the political culture. Now I'm trying to imagine what it would be, what what uh, what flaw of personal character um, um, displayed by a Democratic president that Republicans would plausibly be able to criticize. <laughs> but but again, nobody seems to care about whether or not it's plausible or not. I'm just trying to imagine um, how you know Sean Hannity and the, those folks would would have handled if the report that the, the Barack Obama had. You know, had had sex with a porn star shortly after um, his daughter was born. I mean, it's it's just inconceivable. But and, but again, maybe this is just the the world that we live in. John McCormick, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. The uh, the cover story on uh, Ohio Governor John Kasich is in this week's Weekly Standard. It really is a is a must read. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow to do this all over again. <laughs>